And we are looking at the Word of God, how to know God. The best way is through the Word. And we looked at that last week. Who can remember what chapter of the Bible we were in looking at that? Last week. Psalm 19. And the uh, verse 7 and to the end of that psalm, we looked at that. We see God in creation. We say, who done it? <laughs> then we find the revelation and we search that. And when we seek the Lord, he will be sure to show us the way. And we find God revealed in his word over and over. And we continue that th thought this morning, knowing God through the scriptures. And we are turning to the book of James. Now, we could spend a, a lifetime of looking at knowing God through the Bible, couldn't we? Because that's what it's about. It's revealing God to us through the scriptures. And here in the book of James, there's particular portions of scripture that we're looking at that are more pointed in the fact that we know God through the word of God. And so <clears throat> James lists three responsibilities toward God's word in this portion of scripture. And think with me, there are, there are four words that we'll pick up on as we go through this portion. The word engrafted, the word mirror, the word changed, and the word unspotted. There are effects in our life from looking in the word of God. And this is what James is about, because James is a book of action. James is saying how we should live in this wicked world. And so <clears throat> looking at James here this morning, verses 19 of chapter 1, down to the end of the chapter, let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you the, of the revelation that it's got of yourself, your will, and your will for your people. Lord, we pray that as the word is open today, that each would have receptive hearts to the word, the preacher included. Lord, thank you for each one that's made the effort and been able to come. Uh, bless them for that effort of being here. Encourage them and uplift them. We pray for those that couldn't make it, Lord, that aren't well. Lord, we bring them before you. We think of Brother Ross at this time, as he's there in hospital, that your will would be done and that his body would be strengthened from what they're helping him with. Lord, we we pray for the elderly that can't make it at all. We thank you for their faith in you and may they grow in you. And even now, Lord, may they be praying to you and in being encouraged in you. Lord, we ask your blessing upon us this day for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I think there are some fill-ins if you uh, have got your bulletin, your order of service there for the morning service this morning. <clears throat> First of all, we are to possess the word as it reads in verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Now, you say, well, it's not talking about the word. Read on. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word, the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. And so we need to possess the word. It says in Revelation to the seven churches, at the conclusion to almost every message to those seven churches, 
He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. And it repeats that to each church. He that hath an ear, let him hear. How do we possess the word? By hearing the word of God. And that specifically is given to the churches. And at the conclusion of that section, in the end of chapter 3 of Revelation, Behold, the Lord said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice, let him open the door. And the Lord will come in and sup with him and he with the Lord. And so it's coming through the hearing of the word that we possess the word. Uh, <clears throat> there are other verses in scripture we can take heed to. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the, by the word of God. <laughs> Jeremiah in the Old Testament said in chapter 2 and verse 4, Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Judah. Hear the word of the Lord. Listen to what God is saying. Listen, God is speaking. And he still speaks today through the word of God. Luke chapter 11 and verse 28, we read, Blessed are they that hear the word of the Lord and keep it. Hear it and keep it. This is what, this is what James is talking about in this portion of scripture. In Matthew seven twenty-four, again, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken, to him, liken him to a wise man that built his house upon the rock. So we are, have been instructed clearly to hear the word of God, to possess the word of God. We need to be swift to hear, swift to hear. Um, <clears throat> the, the person that's swift to hear God is going to be the blessed man through his life. He'll know the will of God. He'll be swift to hear the spirit speaking. He won't be uh, quenching the spirit but listening to the Spirit and hearing the Spirit. Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to speak. Just turn over to James chapter 3 and we have much instruction on this. Slow to speak. Verse 2 of chapter 3. <clears throat> in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is the perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us. We turn about their whole body. Behold the ships, though they are so great and are driven by fierce winds, yet they are turned about with, every, with a very small helm, wheresoever the governor listeth. <clears throat> I see they've now got a, I don't know what you would call it, it's like a surfboard with electric engine on a thing that goes down under the surfboard and a little fin underneath. And so they power this thing up and the surfboard rises off the water and the little fin underneath is what's keeping it going and the thing. And I thought, what are they going to invent next? Now, I don't know how they steer it. They must steer it. I've never been on a surfboard, never planned to. Ask Charlie Williams, Pastor Williams. He, know, he knows all about surfing. But, you know, they turn it this way and turn it that way. It's a, a new invention. <clears throat> but here, talking about the ships, we, ju we just finished the... Uh, Sydney to Hobart. I mean, they have just finished the Sydney to Hobart. <clears throat> and you see the speed at which they're going. You see the little motorboats next to them. They've got their throttle full out and trying to go along. But the, the fellas up there with the big wheel, you know, so steering it whithersoever the pilot with, so he may catch the wind and all the things that they do in that. They are driven by fierce winds and sometimes too fierce for them to keep their sails up. So is... 
the words that we say. Be careful what we say. Even so, the tongue is a little member, boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Oh, do we know about that in our country presently? A little fire kindleth a great matter. Even a cigarette butt can start an enormous fire that does untold damage. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, and so is the tongue among our members. You know, <clears throat> we need to be slow to speak. This is what James verses 3 to 10 is saying. And this tongue, this um, setteth on fire the course of nature it does in verse 6, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and birds and serpents and things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed by, by mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. And so we ought to learn to tame the tongue, swift to hear and slow to speak. If we possess the word of God, hearing the word of God, these things will be a part of our life. And then back in James chapter 1 and verse 19, slow to wrath, slow to wrath. That's a result of having God's word in our heart, slow to wrath. <clears throat> what book would you turn to? That speaks, not, not James does, we'll leave that one, but what other book in the Bible would you turn to to say, I need to learn about slow to wrath? Proverbs. Someone said Proverbs. Proverbs. Let's turn to Proverbs and just see some of the verses, not all of them, that speak of this issue. Proverbs 14 and verse 17 to start with. Proverbs 14, 17. And it reads, He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. In verse 29 of the same book, same chapter, He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty in spirit exalteth folly. And verse 1 of chapter 15, this is how closely you can, you can find them in this book. Verse 1, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. In verse 18, a wrathful man stirreth up strife. He that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Chapter 16, just over the page in verse 32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who ruleth the spirit than he that taketh a city. That sounds pretty important. Chapter 22 and verse 24. 22 and 24 of Proverbs. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. And I've marked off the... It's not the last one in the book, but the last one that we're looking at, 29 and 22, tells us an angry man stirreth up strife, a furious man aboundeth in transgressions. And so, slow to wrath is a biblically-minded person, one that's in the Word of God, <clears throat> learning the Word of God. Who's ever done what some suggest is where you read a proverb a day, and in one month, you'll be through the book of Proverbs. And when you've finished it, you go back and do it again. <laughs> and do it again. And do it for a whole... <laughs> Matthew, I've been talking to him in Ariel, <laughs> a whole year or so. And, and you get those principles, you get those thoughts into your mind. And they automatically come out when you're speaking. <laughs> And you know they're there and you master that because it is about our behavior as believers. And the word of God has its effect as we put it into our lives. 
um, <clears throat> slow to wrath, slow to speak, swift to hear, and subdue. That's, this is one that's probably not, it doesn't seem to fit for you, but it does for me. <laughs> subdue the weeds in verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. That sounds you're a naughty boy, you know. <laughs> Just the way the King James has put it there. Superfluity of naughtiness. Uh, <clears throat> subdue the weeds. Some things in our life have to go when we read the word of God. That's the natural effect it'll have. That's just the way it'll work. It'll clean us up. Um, <clears throat> who's got a vegetable patch right now? There's one, two, three. I was talking to someone the other day. Where is he? Yeah, there he is. <laughs> he, he's got one and... Yeah, <laughs> I knew you'd have a big one. <laughs> there, but the veg... What, what do you have to do with those? If you're going to have a vegetable patch, you have to pull the weeds out. You've got to pull the weeds out. You've got to weed it. Although if you're doing it... Well, yeah, if you're doing it... What do you call it? Natural, no fertiliser, no sprays. You've got to pull the weeds out. <clears throat> we work for a, a person know them pretty well actually <laughs> and they have a whole farm where they produce this natural food no sprays and, and no no herbicides and pesticides and all that the place is overrun with blackberries because <laughs> down there where I, I know it that the weeds are just taken over because they haven't got time physically haven't got time to do all the weeding they do it just in the paddock where the where the things are and I said to him once I said Andrew how, how do you keep the weeds down he said well I just hope the veggies grow faster than the weeds and we leave the weeds there <laughs> and that was one of his approaches to the natural way of doing it but it, in, in our Christian life there's no just natural way that the weeds will go there must be a deliberate choice that we confess our sin as it says in 1 John chapter 1 and can confess it in, and forsake the sin We've got to get rid of things in our life to be pleasing to the Lord. The book of Colossians tells us, and the book of Ephesians tells us, mortify, make dead, kill the weeds. Put off is another phrase that's used more often than mortify in the context of Ephesians and Colossians. Weed the vegetable patch. <clears throat> and I've, I've said about my, my grandma, that's on the Jekyll's side, dad's mum, and she, she lived close to us. She just lived a mile up the road, whatever, mile. And <clears throat> she always used to put in a vegetable patch that was at least the length of this church, every row, row two row, a couple of rows of peas, a couple of rows of beans and sweet corn and that. And it was only just her. Um, so they, they had supplied all the milk for cockatoo and they supplied the bread. They had the bakehouse, it's still there on the farm, and then the, the milking shed's gone. But they used to supply that. My dad had to run down town before school in the morning with a horse and deliver all the milk and things of that nature. So, yeah, I'm pretty connected with those sort of things. Hearsay. <laughs> I didn't have to. <clears throat> but the weeds, the weeds. <sighs> Going up to Grandma's place. Yeah, the hooker. You know the hooker? The, that one, yeah, and the hoe. <laughs> the hooker and the hoe. And us three boys had to go down a row at a time, follow each other down, and then go up the next one and up the next one. So that Grandma had her veggies to put in the freezer. I'm Mr. Spaulding, if you're listening, 
<laughs> he usually is listening into us. He's got a good veggie patch too. I've been out there and seen that, hasn't he, Brother Dunn? And, it's, and they freeze it and they bottle it and they do everything else to, to keep that going. But it's been hard going the last two years, he said. But listen, it's getting harder and harder for us as Christians to subdue the weeds in our life. There are more and more temptations. The inventions of man have made it easy for our life and we've got more time on our hands to spend where we shouldn't spend. And we've got to learn to discipline ourselves to subdue those weeds. How? Well, the last part of verse 21 tells us, receive with meekness what? The engrafted word. These are all terms that these people would have understood. They grew their own. They were subsistence people. They grew their own vegetables and, and food and they would understand this. And, and I'm sure they did grafting in those days as well. Huh. And uh, who, who amongst us, we've got vegetable patch people, but uh, what about grafting? Who's ever grafted something? Grafting, grafting, good. Yep, there are, yep. <laughs> and, and, and it's pretty easy. You think, oh, that's only for the professionals, but you can do it. If you, if, you know, if you want, um, if you've got a good plum tree, they're usually pretty wild growing, and graft in a peach and graft in a nectarine because they're the same, what do you say? Same sort, I don't know. <laughs> same kind, yeah, biblically, biblically saying, and you can graft them in. And when you graft it in, it partakes of the root and of the fatness of the, the, uh, the tree that you're grafting it into, and it becomes a part of it. And so in our lives, this word engrafting, engrafted is important. We need to engraft the word of God. It becomes a part of our living. This is us. This is the way we as Christians live. Have you been engrafting the word recently? You say, well, how do I engraft the word? How do I you know, cut one limb off, <laughs> cut an old limb that you don't want? and then graft a new one in that can bear fruit. How do you engraft God's Word? Well, simply by reading the Word of God. Secondly, by memorising the Word of God. That's, engra that's really engrafting it because it's part of... Now, you can do all that intellectually, but we have to also not only memorise, but meditate upon the Word of God. Think it through. God has given us the ability to do that. So sow the seed, engraft the word in our lives, <clears throat> meditate upon it and live it. That's what James is telling us in this portion of Scripture. Let it not be just an intellectual ascent to Scripture. Psalm 119, <clears throat> verse 9 and verse 11 read, Wherewithal shall a, man, a young man cleanse his way, but by taking heed thereto according to thy word. He'd engrafted it. He'd read it, he'd memorised it, he'd meditated upon it and made it a part of his life. And in verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. This young man had engrafted the word so that when temptation to sin came along, he was able to, his mind, the spirit of God using his mind, to think about the verse that said, No, can't do, shouldn't do. You can do, but you shouldn't do that sin. And you avoid the pitfalls of life. 
Thy word have I hid in my heart. Make it a part of your life. From as early as you can, from when you get saved, until you get old and one foot in the grave. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? All through life, let the word of God be engrafted. Possess the word. Practice the word. Verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. And this is where the engrafting comes in. <clears throat> deceiving your answer. For if ye be a hearer of the word, not a doer, you're like a man beholding his natural face in a glass, <clears throat> a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. I was studying, reviewing this morning down in the basement, down the study, and kabang, crash, bang. What was that? <laughs> no one was up there. And I don't know if it's the humidity or something, but the big picture on the wall and the hook had through the plaster and it fell down on the big alarm clock and, and it fell down on the little lady porcelain things and crash, bang, down to the floor. And I, oh, no. <laughs> the mirror fell off the wall, as it were. That, uh, sorry, Catherine, that was your picture <laughs> that you gave us. That big... <laughs> It must have been a heavy one. <laughs> but <clears throat> when we look in the Word of God, don't, uh, we don't break the mirror. <laughs> but when we look in there, what do we see? We see ourselves. Should I ask the question, did you not look in the mirror this morning? Anybody not look in the mirror this morning? Take a closer look at adults. There might be some defects. <laughs> because he said he didn't. <laughs> At least he is honest enough. James, you didn't look in the mirror? <laughs> no. <laughs> but when you look in the mirror, you see things that need to be fixed. Did he get my question? Yeah, but he can't see them. Oh, okay. <laughs> Put your glasses on then. <laughs> but when we, when we see it, we, we fix it. We're coming out into public, you know. I remember one early morning I was going to men's breakfast. I was going along and I looked in the little mirror. Oh no, I didn't look in the mirror this morning. The hair's all over the place. <laughs> and another time I had my shirt on inside out. It was, <laughs> and I got there and the men didn't say anything. <laughs> They're like, oh well, he's having a hard time. <laughs> but if you look in the mirror, you see what needs to be corrected. And it's so simple. The mirror is the Word of God. Look in there and see what needs to be corrected. Uh, do we ever get to a point in our lives where we don't need to look in a physical mirror? No. Do we ever get to our, a point in our lives where we don't need to look into the spiritual mirror? No. Because we're in a wicked world. And it's always dragging us down and away. Look into the mirror. Practice the word by looking into it. <clears throat> Why do we look in the mirror? For examination. I don't know. <clears throat> that's a word there that's been written for you. For examination in verse 23 and 25 of James chapter 1 <clears throat> that we've already read. We can take a fleeting glance. And if you were at camp this week and you were there with the juniors, and juniors, particularly the boys, by about the second night, you ask, have you had a shower yet? <laughs> no, I went swimming. <laughs> or something like that, they say. 
And by the third, third night, you've got to get them in there, you know. Everybody go in the shower. <clears throat> the girls aren't, aren't as bad as the boys, I don't think. <laughs> but they take a fleeting glance at the mirror. Quick one. I'm okay. Yeah, but if mum was here, what would she do? <laughs> you know, take a closer look. Take a closer look at God's word and see where we might be going wrong. You know, the sins of ignorance, they're talked about in the scripture, that we don't know we're doing. Take a closer look at the Bible. A fleeting glance won't do, as it says there in, in the book of James, verse 23 and 24. He beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway he forgetteth what manner of man he was. A forgetful look, a fleeting glance, a failure to act, in those verses as well, forgetteth what manner of man he was. And once the examination has happened in the mirror, we do the correction, the restoration. In the Old Testament, in Exodus 38, verse 8, it talks there of a metal-looking glass. We would call it a mirror, a metal one, a polished metal one. And they were used to make the laver in which the priest washed and prepared himself for ministry. And it served a double purpose, washing, looking, and correcting, restoring. We look into the word of God for restoration. James, uh, John 15.30 reads, now ye, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Ephesians 5.28, the church is sanctified and cleansed with the washing of water by the word. With the washing of water by the word. And one that we will turn to is in the Gospel of John and chapter 13 and verse 1. <clears throat> John 13 and verse 1. And there, right through, it's talking of the disciples as the Lord gathered them together somewhere about a week before he was crucified. He set them down. He took the towel in verse 4, girt himself. He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, thou dost wash my feet. Jesus answered, Dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. You see, we need to look into the mirror, we need the word of God, we need to see where we need washing. And if we don't wash, we have no part with the Lord. Simon Peter saith to him, Lord, not... And I don't know if this is just a, an immediate thought that Peter seemed to have often. He said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said unto him, He that is washed needeth save, not to save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all of you. And so what the Lord was saying, you've been washed, but you just need to clean your hands and your feet. And so it is with every one of us as a Christian. We've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, washed in the water of the Word. But every day we need to take a, and the word's nipto, and I think that's good for kids. Take a nipto. Yeah. <laughs> Go to the bathroom. Wash your face before you have your, wash your 
grimy little hands. <laughs> You've been out in the dirt and playing with that. Wash them. Nipto. Christians. Our, God's children. Nipto. Go in to the spiritual bathroom and take a wash. Clean off the grime of the day. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. <clears throat> so there's examination, there's restoration, and then there's the transformation. <clears throat> Back into the book of James again. In verse 24 and 25 we read, For behold, he beholdeth himself, goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth in it, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. There is a transformation that happens. There is a change that happens in the Christian's life who's in the word of God. And I've written it like this. When the child of God looks into the word of God, he sees the Son of God and is transformed by the Spirit of God and made into the likeness of the Son of God to share in the glory of God. And it all really goes together and in that order as well. You remember some time ago we looked at metamorphism where the cocoon is changed into the butterfly. There is a great change happens and from a grub to a butterfly. And this thought is mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 49. 1 Corinthians 15, 49. As we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. We are changed into his image from glory to glory. We get to the last point, we possess the word, we practice the word according to James' teaching here and then we purify ourselves by the word. <clears throat> Down in the book of James, or back in the book of James, chapter 1 verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, we talked about that already in Proverbs, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain is vain in our speech let's go to the book of proverbs again purify ourselves in our speech and we go to proverbs this time chapter 6 to start with and verse 19 proverbs 6 19 <clears throat> there we read a false witness that speaketh lies and he that soweth discord amongst the brethren and so in our speech, a false witness that speaketh lies. The Lord hates six things, and this is the last of the six, or seventh, I think. And <clears throat> we need to watch our speech. As James said in chapter 3, watch our speech. It's a little thing, a little tongue, but a big effect it has on life. Chapter 11 of Proverbs and verse 13. 11 and 13, it there tells us, a talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. 16 and 28. And this is just a picking of a few in the, in the Proverbs. A perverse man soweth strife, and a whisperer separate, separateth chief friends in our speech. Christianity will be shown in our speech. If any man seem to be religious and brineth not his tongue, he deceives his own heart. 
this man's religion is vain. And there are many other references to that in Proverbs. But not only in our speech, but in our service. If you go back to the book of James. And verse 27. We're coming toward the end of the chapter there. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. In our service. It will change the way we are in our service. If we know the word of God. We will want to serve other people. What do most of us really want in life? We want to be served. We want to be ministered unto. We want someone to give us something that we don't have to work for. That's the old man. But for the Christian, service is a part of being, uh, of a person who is in the word of God, whose life has been changed, they're walking in the light, separated from the world, and serving other people. Before God and the Father is this, to visit, to serve. If you go over to chapter 2 of James and verse 14, and down to verse 18, notice what it says about serving. This is the, a, a trial of where your faith is at, where your Christianity is at, where your religion's at, if you want to use that sort of word. What does it profit, my brethren? Though a man say he has faith and has not works, can faith save him? Can <laughs> faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God? Can that sort of faith, faith save him? No, James is saying, of course it can't. It's, it's indication, an indication that he's not a Christian. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things that are needful to the body. What does it profit? What does it profit? What? That's not faith. That's not a change in your life. That's looking into the mirror and forgetting what manner of men we are. Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. A man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy Faith without thy works, and I'll show thee my faith by my works. Are we showing other people that we're Christians by our works? We continually have people ring and say, I'm in desperate need. They're always, the, the common theme, and I know they're a prankster when they do it, is I'm stuck between Melbourne and Sydney, Albury's halfway, it's not halfway, and I need petrol. And I need money, and I need food, and I need this, and I need accommodation. Can you put me up? Can you give me some money? I'd like a, I'd like a a, a bulldog to, <laughs> someone that would volunteer. I'll refer the call to you. Ah, <laughs> uh, and and the, the last one I said, look, I'm going to help you, but in 40 years, 42 years of being in the church and receiving these sort of phone calls, no one has ever been fair dinkum. And you're probably another one. But they keep on going at you. <laughs> they keep on going at you. I've got a lot of phone numbers I could ring up and say, well, the last one was Steve. Steve, how you doing? The money hasn't come through yet. Please send me the money that your mum was going to give you. <laughs> 
if you're listening, Steve, you owe me $225. <laughs> now, I didn't give cash. I don't give cash. We don't give cash. We will give food. But you see, when they tug on you for that sort of thing, when you see a genuine need in and amongst the people you know, and the question to these sort of people that ring, who do you know that I know is that I've got a reference? And that solves all the problems because they don't know anyone I know. <laughs> but you, there are some people with genuine needs and usually the person with a genuine need is not the person that's asking for, with their hand out. They've got a genuine need and the Lord reveal it unto you. The Lord reveal it unto us of people that have genuine needs and that need needs to be met and show your spiritual life. You see, if God brought them your way, if God brought them to your mind, who's God talking to to meet the need? You. You. So if you see it, do what James says. Don't do what he said not to do. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. I will show thee thy faith my faith by my works do that part i will show thee my faith by my works even even abraham was justified by works in how he behaved having believed the word of god it all comes back to the word makes a difference we engraft the word we look in the mirror of god's word we are changed by the word and the last thing in the last part of james 1 and the last verse it says there <clears throat> and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Separation. To keep oneself unspotted from the world. <clears throat> we had many years ago a spotty night at Awana. I don't know if they've had a spotty night since, but they had to come with spots all over them of some sort. Not with the measles, <laughs> but with clothes that were spotted. <laughs> and the whole theme was spotty. And it was about this, this part of this verse. Keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now, you're all dressed up and you're all clean and some, you know, or come respectable to the house of the Lord. But God knows, as he looks on the inside, what's in all of us, doesn't he? He knows if we've got some spots there that need, some, need cleansing and need taking care of. And the word of God, applied by the people of God, We'll get rid of the spots of the world. And uh, <clears throat> I've never been on the footpath and a car drove past through a pothole and splashed me with, <laughs> with mud. You see that and it's sort of a laughing point. Not for the person that's been spotted. But somewhere this week you've been spotted by the world. I've been spotted by the world. Whether through the media, whether down the street or whether in our own thoughts, we've been spotted. What do we need to do? Go to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me for thinking and continue to th continuing to think on that thought. Please cleanse me from that worldly spot that I've received. As we've said before a few weeks ago, this book will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from this book. Be unspotted, as James tells us, from the world and confess if you have been spotted by the world and the world is something that we <laughs> we're living in 
we will live in until the Lord takes us, but we have to watch out for the world. John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1, verse 2. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And it goes on and tells us how we should relate to the world. The world there is a society without God. And Satan is the prince of it. Let's not be hoodwinked by it and spotted by it. But let us cleanse ourselves from all the filthiness of the flesh and purify ourselves a people unto good works for his glory. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that it can be engrafted into our lives. We can look into it as a mirror on our regular daily and even closer than that occasion where we can look into the word of God, reveal ourselves for what we are and we can receive cleansing as we seek and ask for your forgiveness for our sins, that we might be changed into the image of the Lord Jesus from glory to glory. Lord, I pray that we all would keep ourselves unspotted from the world, that our speech and behaviour would be becoming of a Christian that is saturating themselves in the word of God and becoming more like the Lord Jesus. Bless each one. Lord, if there is a person here that has not received the Lord Jesus Christ, they're spotted by the world, they're tainted by the world totally, the children of the devil, they have never confessed you as their saviour. O Lord, may they come by faith, believing the Lord Jesus shed his precious blood to pay for their sins, was buried and rose again for their justification, that they might be just before God as they confess the Lord as their Saviour and become one of your children. Minister to that heart today, we ask and pray your blessing in each of our lives as we go our ways in Jesus' name. Amen.